This is episode number 295 with Shaman Dure. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. A sixth-generation shaman, Shaman Durek is an evolutionary innovator, spirit hacker, women's empowerment leader, and a visionary for the new age. He has devoted decades to study and practice in becoming a thought leader and spiritual enthusiast for people all over the world. Today, he teaches and conducts private sessions with a diverse clientele all over the world, from the princess of Norway to iconic health leaders. He is a gifted speaker and international teacher, and H edition calls him the shaman of our times, applying ancient wisdom to our modern problems. His dedication is in seeing people consciously living their lives more authentically and realizing happiness is attainable in this life by putting the power back in the people's hands. He was also a featured guest as the first shaman ever on CBS, The Doctors. And in today's episode, holy moly, guys, it is so good. We chat about his amazing family lineage and how he became a shaman. This story is so fascinating. We also hear about his incredible story from the time he died. Yes, guys, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time he was telling this story. It is fascinating. We also talk about his revealing trip to the beach of remembrance when he died. This is so good, guys. It's just, I can't wait for you to listen to it. We talk about the truth behind suffering and pain cycles and how we can break them. We also talk about why he chose to come back to earth how to move away from darkness and back into the light, especially during times like now where we're facing the coronavirus, a global epidemic. We also talk about his amazing methods to move through fear. If you have any fear right now, you are going to get so much out of this. He also gives us an incredible exercise to gain access to the energetic field so we can basically all become our own gurus and he's going to teach us how to do that. He also talks about how to contact darkness and download important lessons. So you can literally, he teaches us how to download anything we want, anything that we want to manifest, anything that we want in our body. He teaches us how to download that. We also talk about how to keep ourselves away from darkness with our choices, why the current global crisis is giving him joy right now. It's very fascinating. 
and also how he stays in the light. Plus, we cover so much more. He does a live healing on me, which is awesome. You guys are going to love it. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 295. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Randall, and it's a five-star review, thank you so much, called Motivating. And Randall says, brilliant, enlightening, and genuine conversations that impact us in a modern society. Challenging and thought-provoking in a way to encourage us all to look inwardly and reflect on those habits that are impacting our relationships, well-being, and ability to be present. Thank you, Randall, for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful for your kind words and for taking the time to leave that review. As a little thank you, please send a screenshot of that review to hello at Melissa Ambrosini, and I want to gift you my wildly wealthy meditation. And for anyone who leaves me a review, please send a screenshot in and I will gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, All you have to do is leave a review on Amazon for either Open Wide or Mastering Your Mingo and send a screenshot in and I will gift you that as a little thank you. So do that guys and you can grab some guided meditations now more than ever. Meditation is such a powerful tool that we have in our toolkit. If you don't already have a meditation practice now is the perfect time to implement it into your daily life. It's so powerful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that review now. And now without further ado, let's get this party started. Let's bring on the one and only Shaman Durek. Shaman Durek, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? For breakfast, I don't eat breakfast. I only eat one meal a day. So breakfast is usually not what I eat. I eat like one meal and it's usually consisting of like salad or beets or juicing and things of that nature. And then that's it. And then I'm done. And it's just water and that's it. And is this a shaman thing? It's just a me thing, you know, because I feel like my body does better with less food in my system. My brain is optimized more. I can access my powers more. I can feel the electrical fields in the spirit world faster when I'm not consuming a huge amount of food into my biological spacesuit. I notice that my spacesuit doesn't require a lot of food in order to, to be able to do what it does. And so I've learned over time that eating three meals a day is not for me. Anytime I feel heavy, I know that's because my biological spacesuit doesn't need what it's getting. And so I realize it's, it's, it's just, you know, the right thing for me. Yeah, I love that. So I am familiar with you and your work and I love your book. I love your podcast and everything that you share. But for someone who has never heard about you, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you became a shaman and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do? How did this all happen for you? Oh, wow. That's a long story. Which part should I start with? Maybe give you a little vignette. So I come from a long family history. My family came over from, from Haiti, from Haiti, from Ghana. And my lineage goes back into Yoruban and Mbutu and Mende tribe. 
And my heritage and my family, my father was apprenticed to my grandmother and her mother, who were medicine women. And so they, he learned from that. And then, it, it, of course, they, it got passed down to me through my ancestry. I was chosen when I was about a kid, uh, about five years old. And the way we know you're chosen is because there's certain things a shaman has to execute that goes beyond the human understanding of like what's normal. And I was already executing those gifts at a, at a, when I was five years old. And then that from that point on, my family was like, okay, so obviously he's the one that grandmother was talking about. He's the next in line. And so then it was my dad's decision to make a, a decision with me around 12 years old that if I study religion, I can also study shamanism because he wanted me to be well-rounded. He didn't want me to just know about shamanism and then not understand the rest of the world. So he was like, I really want you to dive in understanding other people's cultures, understanding other people's philosophies, understanding other people's way of thinking. So if you're going to be here for the world, you're not a shaman in the tribe like our ancient ancestors. You're in a modern world and you have to make it fit in the modern world. And you have to really consider that or either that or you don't consider it and you do something like become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And so for me, when you're a shaman, you get tested by spirits. And when you get tested by them. Some of the tests are really challenging. And for me, I found ways to navigate those tests really quickly. So my powers are getting stronger and stronger. And the downfall of it was I was getting bullied all the time in school from kids who thought I was a freak and thought something was wrong with me because I had these abilities and they couldn't understand how is it possible that I could do the things I do, right? So like, like I'll give you an example, like put your hand in, up in the air like that. Okay. All right. And tell me when you feel energy in the center of your palm. Yeah, feel it. See? And it's activate, increase, go down her arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you see, for me, it's always been a normal thing for me since I was a kid. And, you know, when you have like a kid who like, for instance, this one kid climbed the tree once and he fell off the uh, from the tree and hurt his head. And the spirits are like, his brain's going to start hemorrhaging. You have to put you have to stop the blood from moving and you have to use your, your powers. And like things like when my teacher would be mad and she'd come in the class and I knew she was arguing with her husband the night before and I saw the whole argument and what she was arguing about, people started finding me to be, they, kind of, they started thinking my family is devil worshipers and that I come from the devil. And so I wasn't invited to birthday parties. I wasn't invited to pretty much anything really. And I spent a lot of time alone. And when you spend time alone, you become a hermit. And I use that time to really hone my abilities. And then I started training people while I was a kid, helping them open up their abilities. A couple of my friends to this day were really powerful because I started, we, they, we were in grade school together and I helped them to open up their abilities as well. And then you don't become a full-fledged shaman as of yet. You have to make a commitment to the spirits that it's going to be your life service and that you'll put other people, you'll put your life at service, even if it means to, to die for your cause, right? Even if it means that you have to sacrifice everything. And so usually what spirits do is they'll put you through a lot of challenges to see if you hold that promise. So when I was about 27, either 26, 27, I can't remember exactly. I have to go actually and get the records and look exactly what the date is. But I remember around that age, I was in Belizean jungle and um, I got back. I was working with some shamans there. I got back and they told me I was going to die. I knew I was going to die years before. And then I, my, my blood pressure got really intense and blew out my kidneys and I suffocated to death. Guy rushed to the hospital. Spirit came and told me, you're going you're gonna to cross over and come back home. And I got to the hospital 
And my friend Marcus jumped in the ambulance and then, and then basically said, look, I'm going to follow behind. I'm going to be there for you. Got in his car, followed me to the hospital, got to the hospital. And within, I would say, maybe 10, 20 minutes, the spirits came to me and told me it was time. And I told him and he got freaked out, tried to get help, but I didn't want to die alone. And long story short, I talk about it in my book, but let's just say if you wanted the long story or the short story, which one do you want? I want the long story. You want the long story. Okay. So the long story is um, this woman came to me, the room turned to liquid, and she said to me, it's time for you to come home and get ready. And I asked her if it was going to hurt, and she said yes, and it was going to be excruciating pain. But if I stopped fighting the pain with my mind, that they could pull me out of my body and I could come home. And so Marcus was next to me, and I told him I was going to die. And he told me, no, I don't think so. I'm going to get the nurse here. The hospital was packed, so they didn't have any rooms available. So I was actually in the middle where the main reception area is. And literally within, I would say, five minutes of me talking to him, they were like, okay, it's time. And then they're like, the gateway's open. It's time for you. And literally, I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to die right now. And my body started convulsing. I felt like knives were stabbing me all over. I kept hitting my throat. My lungs collapsed. I went into hyperventilation, which is where I couldn't breathe. And then I basically suffocated to death and I died. Went out of my body like liquid. And during the time while I was dying, it was the pain was so unbearable, but I kept fighting with my mind. And the woman's voice came back in and said, beloved child of light, let go. We are here with you. I went, I kept fighting. And then another voice came in, said the same thing. And then my grandmother's voice came in and she was like, child, let go. And I let go and I was in the room and I could see in every angle, I could hear everyone's thoughts. I could feel everyone's emotions. I could see myself on the stretcher there trying to save my life. And then my grandmother and my aunt were there and they said to me, you know, there's a, there's a couple more things you have to do before you come home. You have to look at what your life has been. And so all of a sudden I was in this liquid, this black liquid it was like I was in an ocean or something. It felt like and it was this all these colors I've never seen. And then I was standing in the hospital watching my mom give birth to me while experiencing what it felt like to have birth, being birthed into the world at the same time. And then I saw that and I saw every single person ever I've ever come contact with, everything I've ever said to any person, everything that I ever thought and everything and how it affected the world because of it. And I saw how all my negative thoughts affected the lives of thousands of people. And, and how the rippling effect was so fat. Like, I didn't realize how intense the rippling effect is. You know, you don't really see that when you're in the physical body because you don't see the ramifications of your actions and your behaviors. And I saw how big it was. And then I saw all the love that I gave as well. And then at the very end of seeing all of it, my soul asked me, are you ready to let it all go and be at peace with it and go into the light? Or... Are you not at peace with it? And are you going to go into the darkness? It's your choice. And I made a choice to go into the light. And when I went in the light, it was like uh, this liquid. It was warm. Everything was warm. And I ended up on a beach. And I had no arms or legs or anything. And then I heard my grandmother's voice talk to me. And then this woman came from the beach and started speaking to me. And she said to me, what kind of body would you like to have? And I said, I like the body that I had before. And then I saw my fingers appear. And I looked on the beach and I saw other people. 
And I asked her where I was. And she told me this is the beach of remembrance. This is the place where you leave here, where we take away your memories. So you accept the land and the, you accept the, the journey that you're on and the, the planet and, w- and where you end up, where you land. And this is the place you return and all your memories are now coming back to you. But as it's coming back to you, would you like me to take you, you know, around? And I said, yes. And she said, would you like to fly there? Would you like to think about someone you might want to see? Is there someone you've been thinking about? Or do you want to go to a community area? And I said, I'd like to go to a community area. And I went to a community area. It was a beautiful park. There were mountains, beautiful oceans and lakes everywhere. I mean, this place was gorgeous. Some people were eating, other people were flying, other people were dancing, you know, and there was this little girl on the bench sitting at the park and I sat next to her and she asked me if I just got back and I said, yes. And she said, I said, you know, what's it like being a little girl? She said, well, you know, when I, she had lost her life in war and was never a chance to be a child because she died as a child on earth. So she wanted to be a child there and experience being a child in so I thought that was really interesting and then spoke with her and then basically they showed me like all my the friends that I wanted to see friends that I went to school with and family members and some of my ancestors they showed me that everything is love I asked a bunch of questions when I got there which was why do people suffer why do people go through pain why is there all this war why do women get suppressed on earth why are all these things happening and they told me all human suffering comes from malfunction in thinking Human beings think against themselves. They don't think for their truest self, which is the creator. They think against themselves. And when they think against themselves, they create rippling effects of that energy, which creates more darkness and therefore expands the dark realm where our brothers and sisters are trapped. And those brothers and sisters keep talking in our heads and whispering into our thoughts their story. And we keep thinking those thoughts are ours. And so then we keep reacting. So if one of our brothers our sisters lived in a human body and let's say they they were hurt so much inside they used their free will to hurt other people so when they died they chose not to go to the light they went to the darkness because they don't want to take responsibility for what they what they did and all these things and so they whisper into someone's mind who's living in a physical form and that person then thinks that those are their thoughts and starts playing out their story and then it just completes this the story the cycle and so then you get another person on the planet who's, you know, who's, who's doing dark things or things that are not coming from a place of love. And they told me the reason why we came to Earth was that this is an evacuation mission. Our whole purpose here is not to just be on Earth and have a life and have a car and have a house. Like That's just the things we choose to accumulate. Our reason for being here is to learn to love greater than the, the pain, greater than the sickness, greater than the darkness. And when human beings can recognize that, they'll be able to bring our brothers and sisters home. And then we see, then we can show that this, that, that it's possible to bring the darkness from this realm home. And then we can go to other planets and show how that's done. So this is actually a really big experiment for us on the spiritual level. So what they showed me was that the more we fight, the more we get mad at darkness and the more we're afraid of it, the stronger it gets over us and the more enslaved we become. And so I was like, okay. And then basically I was there for a long time. I was swimming. I got to eat. It was fun. The food tastes way better there than here. There is no judgment there. It's all pure unconditional love. People make love there. They dance there. It's, it's like, it's when you touch the sand there, it feels so much better than touching the sand here because the way that you perceive everything is through pure unconditional love. So the way it feels when you touch it 
is like take what you feel here and then multiply it by a million of the greatest sensation you can imagine. I was trying to explain it to a friend of mine when I was when I came out of my coma, which was uh, when I finally got my ability to speak again in the hospital when I came back. And it was explaining them that it's like taking everything that you find to be the most amazing sensation you've ever had. And then that doesn't even touch one ounce of what it feels like there. Yeah, wow. it's really something. I mean, when they talk, when you hear like people say like peace, it's like like when people have talked to their family members on the other side and they are, I'm at peace. They, they're not even describing you what exactly that means because they can only describe you in words that your brain can understand. Because there's words and feelings that we don't feel here on earth that they feel that we can't interpret because we have a third finite brain. So I thought that was very interesting. And then they asked me after I spent so much time there that if I want to stay there or do I want to come back? And I had, you know, they said to me that I said, well, you know, shouldn't I go back? Don't I have this, you know, this, this thing that I have to do? And they said, no, they said, you've never been, you've never had a mission or anything you have to do. Everything has always been your free will. If you don't want to go back to earth and stay home, it's fine. And that was very interesting to me as well because I was still getting my memories back of that place. And so it was really interesting have the, feeling the integration of my old consciousness of what I thought about Earth and then seeing it merge to what it really is. And then I saw the, all the realities of Earth existing quantumly and how every ex decision creates new dimensions of that reality of Earth and how we humans are coexisting on all those multiple realities and that we have been put into a system on earth that keeps us in a linear position. That's why we, they make us celebrate birthdays and all of this, because it keeps us not seeing that quantum reality. It keeps us in a linear positioning. And that if we continue to stay in a linear positioning, we're not going to be able to evolve with the earth and that eventually we're going to lose our, our ability to stay on earth. And so when I got all that information, I was like, I want to go back. And they're like, okay, but if you go back, you're going to suffer a lot of pain and you're going to go through a lot of turmoil, and it's going to be a very challenging for you. And long story short, I chose to come back. And when I went back, I was back on the beach with a bunch of other people who are beautiful souls, brothers and sisters of mine, and all of ours. And I got back, I was flying through space, I saw all these planets and all these dimensions, different like star kingdoms and stuff, got back to Earth and ended up in my body. I remember it was the most disgusting feeling I ever felt because I didn't realize how many bugs and things are crawling on us, like germs and things moving through us and that have their own consciousness interacting with ours, which I thought was very interesting. It was cold, whereas there on, on the other side, it's warm all the time. It's the perfect temperature. And what I thought also was interesting too, is that when I came back, I couldn't see right away. And then I heard this voice say, plug him back up. And it was like a bunch of beings talking. Now I understand who those beings are, but at the time I didn't. And I remember like these high pitched frequencies and sounds and these color pixels. And then the doctor, my eyes opened and then the doctor's like, we got them. And they were shocking me. I remember the shock was so uncomfortable and they took adrenaline in me. And I remember the doc, I remember jumping like my upper body jumping off the table and the doctor's like, you're paralyzed and your kidneys are failed. Like he was trying to explain all these things to me and I went into shock and then they induced me in a coma for a couple months. And when I came out of the coma, I was on life support. I was paralyzed. My uh, liver was failing. My kidneys were gone and I couldn't breathe. They didn't think I was going to make it. And I had to literally, while I was in the hospital, listen to the darkness talking to me and asking me why I came back. 
And why do I care so much about the people? Why do I need to come back? I was fine being gone. And then the other voice came in saying, they're only saying that because they are afraid to come to the light and they don't want you to, to help them to the light. And they know that you have a great deal of love in you and that you'll be able to teach people how to love greater than, than the things that they keep not loving. And then they said, but if you listen to them, you won't survive. And so you have to listen to us. And so I chose to listen to them and they told me how to get my breathing back and how to help my, because my arms were doing this the whole time. My legs and like my, my hands were doing this and my arms. And I had brain damage and they told me how to fix that. And I was in a wheelchair for almost a year and a half, almost two years. And I had to learn how to heal my legs. And then I was on dialysis. I, they told me how to heal my kidneys, but I didn't believe. And because I didn't believe, which was my choice, which was something that, you know, a lesson for me, I didn't get a chance to heal my kidneys. So I went on dialysis for eight years. And then after the eighth year, my sister had a visitation from an angel that told her, now that you've had three kids, it's time to give your brother a kidney because there's a lot of things he's here to do. And she gave me a kidney. I'm a kidney transplant. And as soon as I was done, I went straight to Israel. Because before I, before I died, I was already going to Israel in the 90s with, well, when they were having war. And I was building meditation groups and helping people learn how to, you know, to come together as a collective and use their resources to, de- to mitigate the depression from the bombs that were going off all the time. And then on top of that, I went to Turkey right after the great earthquake, where half the, the city was like, you know, had fell down. People were trapped under the buildings. And I was there, you know, to help people and to teach them. And so I built this whole women's group called the Lavender Group. And it was all about teaching Turkish women, Muslim Turkish women, how to be in their power over the, their husbands who were ingrained in Quran and Muslim ways and how, to, how do they create a sisterhood and help build each other up while still maintaining these, these, these rules that they have to follow, you know? So it was quite an experience. And then it just was like me constantly traveling until at that point when I died. And then when I came back and after my kidney transplant, I went straight back into it and went straight back to Israel to dealing with stuff in Palestine, in Israel, and then in Turkey with ISIS and then stuff with Erdogan. I, I was almost facing five years in prison for writing a book in Turkish that I went and learned the language and wrote a book about to empower women. And uh, the book became well-known. And then I got in trouble with the government for writing it because it goes against their Quran. And so they were talking about giving me five years in prison. So every time I did a talk, my, my friends were close to me. They're like, don't say this word. Don't say that word because the police are here and they're ready to arrest you and take you away and put you in prison and put you under the cell. And so it was a very touching time, you know, I would say. But that's basically the way I became Shaman Durek is after you go through that, you have your rites of passage and the elders then grant you more powers. And they're like, now you are here. You can, you're here to serve the people and make it about putting the power back in people's hands. And so, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. There needs to be a movie on, on all of this. It's just so fascinating. So talk to me about what is going on in the world right now. So as we're recording this, we are in the middle of coronavirus. What is going on from a spiritual perspective in the world right now? And what can we do about it to move away from the darkness and back into the light? Okay. Did you read the the book Spirit Hacking that I wrote for this time? I'm still in the middle of it. Okay. So... When I wrote, so what happened was Spirit told me to write this book. So my first book, I told you I wrote in Turkish, called Uyanish. It's in Turkish, though. And if you speak Turkish, you can't read it. 
But in this book I wrote because Spirit told me the book was supposed to be called The Blackout 2020, which talks about the stages of the blackout and the first one being the plague, which is what we're in right now. But my publisher was like, that's too racy. That's too intense. You call something the blackout and people uh, and, and people in the African-American community are going to think you're saying blackout and people are going to find that a little too much and like predictions and all that stuff doesn't do good for books. So let's make it more about your teachings and stuff. And you can throw that in there. So so I, if you read the chapter, the blackout in spirit hacking, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this time right now and what's happening right now. And that's why I've been preparing all my friends about this. It's like what's happening right now is that we are in what we call a resurgence. A resurgence is when we have become so far disconnected from spirit and disconnected from how we operate with emotional intelligence. Suppressing women has caused a lot of damage in our uh, species because in when you suppress a female from her natural gifts that she was born with from God you block her quantum seeing. You block her ability to see in all directions like she does all the time because women can walk into a room and they can look at the situation and tell you where all the emergency exits are, where are the possible ways for survival. If their child is walking a certain way on the floor, they can tell you exactly where that child is heading and what they're about to do because women have the ability to operate in quantum field because of their emotions and because of the way that they were built to survive. Because they're the ones who bring life to the earth. So they've been given this gift to have a much more stronger amygdala and ability to sense danger before danger even starts. And so if women were empowered, if we had did the right thing, which was to honor women for who they are, honor men for who they are, men were not pushed away from society by believing that if they show emotions and they're weak, that they are considered weak men and therefore should be pushed away from society. So men kept keeping that very male dominant, patriotic, very like, I have to, it has to be power. I have to be the one with the money. I have to be the one that makes the decisions when in fact, women are the ones who are supposed to tell us what to build, how to create, what to do, because they understand life because they bring life through their body. And so even if they're not giving life in their body, the womb of a woman is so powerful that the energy essence of a woman, the way she perceives the world is so much more different than how a man perceives the world. And that's why we're supposed to say, okay, sweetheart, what is it that we need to build? Where are we not seeing? What is it that how are, what we're about to build? Is it going to destroy the lives of millions of people? They would tell us, yes, this is not something we should have on our planet. We should not have an atomic bomb. We should not have guns. We should not have these things. But because we suppressed them, we took away our defense system. So then you have the slaughtering of animals in, an, in, in what we call the most inhumane way, which I talk about a lot as well. And that major, all major diseases that have affected and wiped out our species over and over and over and over and over on our planet to the point where we've had to repopulate, rebuild, have been from animals have been from diseases that animals have brought on to our species because of the way we, we don't have a relationship with nature in the way that we should. We built technology without including nature. We do things very secular. And so the consciousness of this insurgence is to get us to pay attention to what's really important. Not so much to make us like a punishment because spirit doesn't punish in that way. It doesn't say you're bad. What it does is it refines you. It does things to refine the nature of your being 
to become all inclusive and become about love, you know, and where we have gotten is so far off the Richter scale of abuse towards ourselves and of degradation towards our planet and letting social systems and, and governments dictate to us, you know, what our reality should look like instead of really asking ourselves, how do we want to dream into life? Like Martin Luther King said, I have a dream, which I think was the most beautiful, poignant thing to say, because it's not only his dream, which was for social equality, it is the dream that you have and the dream that I have and the dream that your partner has and the dream that everyone should be having should be a dream for a greater world to emerge. And that is how we shift ourselves out of the, the nexus that we are creating from the chaos of separating the masculine and feminine to synergizing it back into form so that the chaos then dies down and then these things don't have to show up. But right now we are in the blackout period and this is a period of contemplation. This is a period of self-love, a pause, a moment to really go in and look at where have you been putting your energy and why? Is it because you want a bigger house or a car? Or is it because you really want to be a being that holds the highest amount of love in your beingness and who in your words and in, in, in your actions? So this has to happen. Yeah, totally. So what, what can some people do? Some people that might be experiencing a lot of fear, a lot of suffering, a lot of darkness right now. What are some things that they can do to help them, you know, hack fear and move through fear? Okay, I'll show you a simple thing. Pull up fear right now. Pull up something, some, pull up some emotion of fear. I'll show you how easy it is to release fear. Pull something up and tell me when you have it. Yeah, I have it. Great. Now, I want you to say, spirits of the light. Spirits of the light. Download the wisdom to overcome my fear in my body. Download the wisdom to overcome the fear in my body. Now, how do you feel? Lighter. Exactly. All fear is generated by not, is, is lack of information and fear of the unknown. The consciousness of humanity always operates on the idea that they have to have everything figured out or something bad is going to happen. This is where we get to, in shamanism, we have to, the reason why we go through the death ceremonies and like all kinds of different things that shamans go through to become shamans is because spirit wants to show us no matter how many times I rip you apart, you're always going to be safe. And so it's the consciousness of realizing that every time you react and give in to fear, you're only reacting and giving into fear because you're not realizing that you are this wellspring of resource. And all you simply have to do is tap into your spiritual nature. Watch, I'll show you. Say, spirits of the light. Spirits of the light. Download peace of mind into my body and regulate it through my endocrine system. Download peace of mind into my body and regulate it through my endocrine system. How rad is that? So cool. I literally felt it like, like going like through all my cells, like just going like, like literally downloading. Yeah. You are living technology. What human beings don't understand is they keep looking for data and information from this world. That's very limiting because the world that you see is made up a bunch of opinions and ideas and everyone's household is, has a different subjective view of life, just as everyone's household has a different subjective view of what's good and bad. So who's right? 
So the way that in shamanism, the way that we operate is we don't learn God by books and what people tell us, even though I've studied religion, I've studied the Quran, I've studied the Talmud and the Torah, and I studied the Bible, studied Baha'i, studied all these different things to really understand people's reasons for what they choose in their spiritual observation and their observance of spirituality, their observance of God. But the consciousness is not something that can be put into a box. It is that human being's biggest mistake is they try to sum God up in a kind of like a story of a sentence. God is this, 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 and this. It's not possible because in order for the expansion of the totality to create anything, it has to be so big in its expansion that you couldn't even put a human word onto it that would actually describe it. So the best thing that you can do is realize that you are God technology. And if you are God technology, right? Watch, put your hands like this, facing one another, okay? And do you accept that you are God technology? Yes. And right now, do you accept to open up the part of that technology that gives you access to the energetic fields? Yes. Good. Now, eyes open so you're not running from yourself because a lot of people think every time they do something spiritual, they got to close their eyes. Eyes open because it puts you in the here and now and the present, right? When your eyes are open, you're claiming it here. When your eyes are closed, you're checking out somewhere. Yeah? Now, say magnet. Magnet. Oh, my gosh. Say reverse magnet. Reverse magnet. Oh, my gosh. I literally, it feels like... There feels like there's there's magnets in in my hands. I'm showing you true magic. Ancient magic of the old world of the time of Pangaea before human beings started meddling with science and using the the herbs and the technology of consciousness and using it in apothecary and using it in all of these different things that made what doctors are today. We had access to powers that go way beyond those things. Watch, put your hands up again. Say fire. Fire. Yeah, it feels like hot just there in the middle, in the, in the circle, like in yeah. the circle, just there, hot. Now watch. Say, engulf my whole hand with fire. Engulf my whole hand with fire. Yeah, it's like running up my fingers now. Yeah. Wow. I was a little bit scared before, like to say that I was a bit scared, like fear came up to engulf my whole hand, but then I just surrendered and trusted and it just went into my fingers and it wasn't that bad. No, not at all. Watch. Put your finger on your right temple. This is your phone call to teach you the beginning steps. Look at your finger. Good. Say spirits of the light. Spirits of the light. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? They say yes. Say thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. Why do people make it so difficult to make contact to the other side? Why do people make it so difficult to make contact to the other side? They're stuck in their suffering. That's what they said. Say, thank you, I heard you. Thank you, I heard you. Say, can I talk to my ancestors? Can you open up the communication for me to connect all the way into the realm of Illumin? Can I talk to my ancestors? Can you open up the line of communication to the land of the Illumin? Yeah, of course. Say, can you have one of my ancestors come now and show me their face when they arrive? 
Can you have one of my ancestors come now and show me the face when they arrive? Of my dad's dad. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> He's so cute. You <laughs> see how easy it is? Ask him what heaven's like. Say, is it true what Shaman Derek is telling us? Is it true what Shaman Derek is telling us? They're like, of course. Of course it is. What, what else would there be? Everything else is just made up in the human small mind. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. What? Say, can you send me energy into my body? Grandpa? Can you send me energy into my body, Grandpa? Of course. Yeah, amazing. And he, and he said, whenever you want. Exactly. Now, what if the whole world was able to know that they could make this connection? This is why I came back. I don't care about these other things that people are like, okay, I need to have this and have this and have this to be happy. You know what makes me happy? Seeing all of you happy seeing my brothers and sisters happy, seeing people come out of suffering and pain and, and, and poverty and, 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 and all the discord and all of that stuff and realize that it's so small on the other side. All these things that we think are so big is so small. You know, I was talking to a girl the other day. She was telling me she wanted to commit suicide because she can't handle this quarantine and go through all this stuff. And I said, let me do something. Let me show you something really quick. And then once you see it, tell me if you feel the same feeling. And I put her hand on her heart that I'm going to take you and show you how big you really, how, like how small things really are and how big you're making them. And I took her into the spirit world to look and she was like, oh my God, like, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. Because if I did that and I knew that on the other side, I'd be like, what the heck? I was like, exactly. There's no reason for us to, to, to not have our powers. None. I know. So why do humans, why do we get so caught up in the fear and the struggle and the suffering? It's because we've forgotten that we're the light, but sometimes that fear, like you said, it can be taken to the extreme where someone wants to take their own life or severe depression. How can we help them? Like someone who might be listening right now, who is either considering that or in severe depression, what is like one thing they can do today? What they need to simply do is say, I download into my body the technology of light to banish and release any fears or any depression or suicidal energies from my being right now. And it will blast it through them. Like when people, like a lot of my kids, students, they'll be like, there's a spirit holding me down in bed and they get sleep paralysis. And I'm like, oh, you just blaze them. And they're like, how? And I said, just think of something you love and they'll let go of you. And then they do it and they call me up and their mom's like, oh my God, he's not afraid of the dark anymore. And I'm like, yay, one more warrior in the light. Watch, put your hand on your other side of your head. Look at your finger. Say, darkness, I want to talk to you. Darkness, I want to talk to you. What are you doing to humanity right now? What are you doing to humanity right now? Said waking you up, waking you all up. And shaking you up. Mm -hmm. Say, thank you, I heard you. Thank you, I heard you. Say, in the underworld, is that where you all are? In the underworld, is that where you all are? Yes. And how many layers is there in the underworld? How many layers is there in the underworld? Seven. That's right. 
And on the and the first layers, what's it like? What is the one where the, the spirits who are really tormented are? What level are they on? They're at one. And what is the one where they're just like people like us sitting on couches and hanging out and talking? What level are they on? They were on level seven. And, and it's like the more dark you kind of progress to six, five, four, three, two, one. Or maybe it's the other way. I don't know. You got it. It flips upside down. You got it. You got it. One starts at the bottom. You're very good. You're doing great. Say, thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. So say, I want to talk to you specifically, the one that makes me doubt myself. Hmm, I want to talk to you specifically, the one that makes me doubt myself. Did you have a human body at one time? Did you have a human body at one time? They said many. Mm-hmm. Say, thank you, I heard you. Thank you, I heard you. And did you hurt people? Is that why you ended up in the darkness? Because you didn't want to go to the light? Did you hurt people? Is that why you ended up in the darkness and you didn't want to go to the light? It said, yeah, I, I hurt people, but I also hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Say, thank you, I heard you. Thank you, I heard you. Why did I call you in to bring doubt to me? Why did I call you in to bring doubt to me? Said to remind me that I'm not that doubt. So say, is this the challenge that I've been doing since I was a little girl where I like to make things happen so that I can become stronger and see that I can overcome it? Is this what I've been doing since a little girl to make things happen so that I can overcome it? Yeah. Say, does this have to do with my father? Does this have to do with my father? No. Say, who does it have to do with? Who does this have to do with? It's my mom. Say, but what is the energy connection to my father? What is the energy connection to my father? Ooh. He had like, he really, like he really struggled and life was really challenging for him and he was an immigrant and he, he kind of showed me that you got to work hard to prove yourself. Yeah. Say, thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. Say, so are you helping me become doubtful? And when I face off with you, the doubt, do you want me to bring you home to the light? Are you helping me? And when I face off with you in the doubt, am I helping you come back to the light? Yes. Do you want to go home now? Do you want to go home now? Oh, there's resistance, but yes. Say, I have the power to bring you home. I have the power to bring you home. Would you like to go home? Would you like to go home? Yes. I'm done. I'm taking you to the light. I'm taking you to the light. And I'm using the flame in my heart. And I'm using the flame in my heart. To change you back to your original form. To change you back to your original form. 
How do you feel now? Smiling. Say, is this what we came to earth to do, but humans forgot? Is this what we came to earth to do, but humans forgot? Yes. And he's laughing. Are you happy to go home, see your friends and family? Are you happy to go home and see your friends and family? Yes. He's dancing. (laughs) Do you have any wisdom for me now that you're in the light? Do you have any wisdom for me now that you're in the light? Stop suffering. You don't have to suffer. Fear is an illusion. Come to the light. Thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. I download that into my body. Download that into my body. Do you feel that? Yeah, tingles. That's right. Say thank you. I felt that. Thank you. I felt that. Goodbye. Goodbye. He's waving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now watch, put your hand to the other side. Spirits of the light, what do you think about the fact that I brought a being from the underworld and brought them home to heaven? They said, of course. Do you see this? Can you see how they're celebrating? Yeah, they're dancing. They're dancing. They're like this. Yes. <laughs> they dance a lot. A lot of, lot of lovemaking in heaven, a lot of dancing, a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure. It's a very special place. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, wow. I wow. Because you know, there is this other way and I feel like this is this mass awakening right now and some people may not get it and some people will, but I really do hope that we all kind of wake up and we all get it. Let's change those words. You can't hope for us to get it. That's like you going to the doctor and me saying, well, I really hope we'll do well at your surgery tomorrow. <laughs> Affirm, proclaim, choose. This is what spirit's asking. Choose people. Choose what is the vision you want to see for your planet. Choose. This is how you, there is a possibility for you to choose to say it. You could say, right now, there are people all over the world who are having a mass awakening. And there's so many beings of light and healers and teachers and yogis and all types of beautiful souls and nutrition people who are dealing with all types of levels of healing that people need right now. And they're all ready for service to support these people because they've been waiting for this moment to be able to show up and bring their gifts to these people. And even after the first phase of the blackout, more of these people are going to wake up and be able to support one another in their leadership so that we can shift the steering wheel of this planet and bring it towards ascension and bring it towards the fifth dimension. And I'm so excited that all of this is happening right now. Woohoo! Me too. I'm so excited. Is this what is bringing the most? I love it. Dancing. Yes. Yes. For those of you that can't see, we are dancing right now. <laughs> is this bringing you the most joy right now? Like, what is it that's bringing you the most joy? Is it this? This is bringing me the most joy on the deeper understanding of what we need. And when I say need, meaning it's an urgency for all humanity. This is why I talked about it in the book, The Blackout. It's a a pivotal point in our evolution because blackouts have been happening for all the time, but they usually happen in small pockets. This one is a global affair. And why I like this one is because it's the people who don't want to be here anymore get a chance to leave. And... The people who want to continue will get to stay on and show that everything they've ever accomplished in life and every obstacle they overcame, 
this, those energies that they built through all their past is now their chariot to carry them through this one. This is a beautiful time for true service, right? I always tell people the greatest gift that God has ever given you, it's not your house or your car or like your trip to Barbados or whatever it may be that people think it is. It's your ability to serve, you know? And that's such a gift because like to serve and to see the world flourish because everyone is recognizing their power and no one is treading on each other's power. No one is, is, is going in and saying like, I'm more powerful than you, but it's not about that anymore. This is about a collective awakening, a we association. And for me to see that, oh my God, like this is, this is huge. This is why I wrote the book. I, there's no, I would have never wrote a book. There was no need for me to write a book until spirit tells me to write a book. And this is my second book. And my first book, Spirit told me to write it for Turkey. And they told me to write it in Turkish. And it was exactly the time that Turkey needed it. And they told me to write this book to be a survival guide, to guide people through these, these phases of the blackout. The second phase, people think this is a bad, uh, a challenging or bad phase or however people want to in- interpret it or whatever verb they want to put onto it. The second one is even more intense than this one. This one is like just getting us to really make a decision. The next one, if we don't make the decision and steer our plan the other way, the second one, the second uh, refinement that the spirits have to do to get us to wake up and take action is going to be way more worse than this one. So I'm really putting all my energy on this one to get everyone to realize that this isn't just like, let me stay home until the government tells me that I can go back in the street and do the same thing I was doing before. No, this one is saying, let me really look at how I've been living my life. What things have I haven't let go of that I've been still holding on to? What grudges have I held on to? What, what squabbles have I had with people? Like I've even called people in my life that I've had difficulty with and I'm wanting to talk and clear it up. They just haven't chosen to do that. But this is a time to like mend those wounds and heal them and, and bring out the muck and the ook and the everything. And like a friend of mine called me today. She's like, my biggest lesson has been about being alone. And here I am alone in New York City in my apartment. And this is a great time for me to finally be done with this, this need to feel constantly a part of something, but to realize I am a part of me. And I was like, exactly. This is huge. So I talk a lot about service and I feel like that's our biggest purpose here on earth is to be of service to others. So what would you say for the woman or the man who you know, is like, I don't have an Instagram following and, you know, I just work at the local store and I possibly couldn't be of service to anyone. What would you say to them? I would simply say to them that being of service does not mean being of service to others. It also means being of service to the self. It means being able to take introspection and look at places inside of yourself where you haven't given that unconditional love to, that self-acceptance to, that kindness, that generosity to yourself. Because as you serve yourself, this level of love and devotion, you are actually serving others. Because again, like I said, when I died, it becomes a rippling effect. It becomes a a, a full-on tidal wave of energy. So as you continue to serve and bring, bring that service to yourself, you are actually healing other people on the planet because of your willingness to open up that frequency that now they have access to. That's huge. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. So it all comes back to you. Always comes back to you looking at yourself first. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Epsen. Epsen combines the power of magnesium bath crystals with aromatherapy 
infused with 100% natural essential oils. Magnesium is required for over 300 bodily functions and has so many health benefits. Baths for me are like the ultimate self-care and you guys know how serious I take my self-care. But did you know the best way to absorb magnesium is through your skin? So right now I'm loving Epsom Relax Bath Salts. Soak your stress away for the best sleep and most relaxing way to wind down after a full day. To dive into your own bath of goodness, head to epzen.com.au. That's E-P-Z-E-N.com.au and type MA Tribe for 20% off your order. Now let's get back to this conversation. I'd love to ask you now, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose besides Spirit Hacking? Because I think that should be in the school curriculum of every school. And we'll link to that in the show notes. What is one other book that you would choose? I would choose The Alchemist. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good book. I love that. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. I think it's like essential reading for everyone. I think it's essential reading. I think it's necessary for people to understand life, the movement of life and the beauty of life that, uh, that, that happens when we take the journey. And I think The Alchemist gives such a, a poignant understanding of that in such a beautiful way. The journey is the very thing that you are, you think you're not on the journey, but you are on the journey. And every, there's nothing that you've done in your life that wasn't meant to happen. Even the painful things, like, like when people say grateful, when they're like, oh, I'm grateful for this. I'm like, I'm grateful that I was molested as a kid. I'm grateful that I was an alcoholic. I'm grateful for the fact that I, that I did drugs at one point. You know, I'm grateful for these choices that I made because those choices gave me the ability to dig in deeper into love and be able to understand human suffering in a greater level. So when I'm working with like gang members in Juarez, or if I'm working with a, you know, an ex-drug addict or a person who's doing heroin or an alcoholic or a person who's just went through so much sexual abuse, I'm able to show up with, with full capacity of my heart, no judgment, no, like this is right or wrong, but let me show up and be of service and, and, and be there to hold that space for your power and for your healing. And I wouldn't have gotten that if I had not experienced it myself. And so instead of me looking at these were horrible things that happened to me in my past, boo, hoo, hoo, instead of going like, these were the most amazing transformative experiences that I got to experience on earth. I got to experience what it was like to be beaten. I got to experience what it was like to go through molestation and all these different things because now I'm going to be able to support people in even a bigger way. So it's like taking those, those rocks and changing them into diamonds and rubies and gems and emeralds and, and really showcase that crown, right, of those rubies and gems as your majesty of honoring each and everything that has shown up as a blessing and not a curse. Absolutely. I love that quote. Life is happening for you, not to you, which really does give us back the power. Like we are creating, like we are, everything that happens to us is for our growth and our evolution. And I'm a big believer in that too. I'd love to hear now how do you stay in the light? Like what's your daily rituals or routines or do you have like a, you know, some meditations? Like how do you stay in the light? So 
One of the things that I do is at nighttime, I practice my powers. I access different levels of my powers and I access integrating all my other lifetimes into this embodiment to take the knowledge that it learned and the wisdom and download it into my technology so that I can be of greater service. I also have an altar, an ancestor altar, and I have an altar where I sit and communicate with my ancestors to give me energies, things that I need to let go of, any type of attachments or energies that I picked up from other people, I clear it. I like to listen to my country music, which also makes me super happy. Being of service, going on Instagram live and doing live healings for people on my Instagram, which has really been wonderful. And then really for me, like the other day I did a thing for, I was on the TV show this morning for London, where I spoke to millions of people, did led them through a meditation, like doing things where I could be of service to people, you know, really find ways to fine tune things to make it so that people can access it without it being so difficult for them. I like things to be simplified. You know, you always know in shamanism, our whole model is to simplify everything. So if people are like, oh, I had to like go to the mountains and drink this green juice and do all these things just so I can open my third eye. I'm like, there's an easier way to open your third eye. Like, do we have to go through all that drama? Like, is it really necessary? It's not, you know? And like, I, so that for me, like today, this morning, I got good news that my spirit um, hacking book just made it into Snake River Prison. So now the inmates there are now reading it and practicing the meditations. And I just got word from the prison that uh, one of the people there had, it's been like changing their lives. And now they're all passing the book around, you know, and asking me if I can get more books there, you know, so I want to get it in the San Quentin. I want to get it in all these other prisons around the world and really help the inmates begin to up-level themselves as well. They have all this time on their hands. They're always in quarantine. So why don't we just up-level them so that they're getting uh, into that energy frequency of love and, and understanding and really realizing what spirit spoke in their head that made them pull a, tr a trigger or rape someone or do something or steal or grant theft auto, whatever it may be that they're in there, right, is to really keep their consciousness upgraded and really take them to higher places as well. So for me, anything I can do to serve, that's what keeps me in the light. And then, of course, playing Animal Crossing is wonderful, too. What is it? Animal Crossing is a video game that's on uh, the Switch. I play a lot of kid games. So like Animal Crossing is like my favorite one because you can like help people and you build your town up and you're like this. You help people in town and you fish and you do all these great things and take care of nature. And yeah, I'm a big kid. So like a lot of my things that keep me in the light is being a kid, you know, like dancing around the house in my country music or like singing Disney songs with my girlfriend or like, you know, these types of things, especially because she's she's in Norway right now because of the royal family. And so she had to go back and she was here with, with the kids and then they made her go back because I mean, of course, it looks bad if your father, the king says no one's allowed to leave the country and then you're out of the country and you kind of be the defiant princess. But nonetheless, like. Me and her will sing Disney songs. Uh, she'll send me pictures of the horses on her on her on her on her land, and like we just talk about things and we laugh and you know. So those things are make me really happy. I think happiness is the greatest way to stay in the light, and happiness is the greatest way to boost your immunity because even just one minute of laughter boosts your immune system and just you know sharing love with people, calling friends you haven't spoken to in a long time because you used to be super busy, but now you're not. You know, and so, you know, take that time to really to honor them. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. My husband says I'm a big kid as well. He's like, did you like progress from seven years old? Because I'm the same. I sing Disney songs like The Little Mermaid all the time. Yeah. 
And I was singing it. I woke up singing it the other day for the first time. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, wait, you've you've never seen the Little Mermaid? And he's like, no. That's my favorite. I was like, you have not lived unless you've seen The Little Mermaid. And the thing is, like, one of the things that my husband loves about me so much is my playfulness, is my inner child. I am dancing and singing every day. And it honestly brings me so much joy. And so that's why I do it. And you've got to find the things that bring you joy and not care what anyone thinks. Like, my singing voice is like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it brings me joy. Yeah, I know. One of my friends, he's in London. He's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm reorganizing my sticker book. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, should I get a sticker book? I'm like, only if you like stickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. <laughs> you are the cutest thing ever. I love li- Little Mermaids. Like my, my nieces and everyone in my family, they always ask me to do Little Mermaid. Because I'm always like, look at this stuff. Isn't, Isn't it, it neat? neat? <laughs> Wouldn't you find my collection complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Everything. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is the best. And I do all the actions. I'm like, look at this stuff. <laughs> I do the splash where she comes out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> And my husband just looks at me and he's like, where are you from? (laughs) Tell him you're from Andromeda. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And you're right. Laughter. It is the best. It is the best. And nature, getting out into nature and just not taking yourself so seriously. Dance and sing. Oh, God. Seriously. (laughs) Too much. I can't. Sometimes I look out the window. I would sometimes I'd be on tour in New York and I'd look at the window from my hotel and I'd be like, there goes all the robots, the robots, the robots. They're so busy doing all their things. And, and then like the housekeeper starts laughing because I'm in the, in the room while she's cleaning. She's like, I love being around your energy. And I'm like, yeah, the robots are out. Watch them. Yeah, seriously. Like, loosen up, relax, people. It's life. You get this lifetime, make it your best. It's seriously the best. And yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, robot, robot. Like, Nick and I were like, if we ever had to drive into the city, we're like, look at all the robots. Like, no, don't, like, you know, make it, do what makes you happy. Like, and they're not smiling. They're like depressed. And, you know, life is so, so fun and so precious and sacred. And we may as well have a really good time while we're here. Okay, I've got three rapid-fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Ooh, rapid-fire. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. But I'm put my, let me put, I gotta, if it's rapid-fire, I gotta put my space suit on and my, okay, <laughs> here we go. Rocket, rocket man. I'm a rocket man. Lock it okay, in. Here we go. Lock it in. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. What is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? So one of the things you can do for your health is to, well, there's several things you can do. Boosting your immune system, which is really important. And raising your serotonin levels, you know, you want to keep your mitochondria nice and like really like good. So things like that that helps is like making sure you're not sleeping in hot rooms. Like you want to sleep in room temperatures that are around 68 to 65. So that way you're boosting your metabolism. That's again, which is getting rid of inflammation and also which is also helpful to, you know, to to keep your body regulated. So you stay in homeostasis. Also, I would say, you know, doing art, being playful. 
moving, dancing, being in nature. If you can't be in nature, get some plants ordered to your house so you can take care of them. Feeling like you're taking care of something or doing something really actually brings in a grounded energy source. And it also is really good for releasing dopamine and also increasing you know, your system to feel strong and powerful. Stay away from too many foods like meats and things like that, that you don't know where it's sourced. You know, tr tr eat really clean and maybe choose a couple of days where you're going to just fast for one whole day. And you're going to use that day for prayer, meditation, and devotion or connecting with your ancestors. You know, make your life more ritually based. Have more rituals, you know, like honoring dancing rituals. Like you're going to dance for the people you love today. You're going to, you know, do things like that. Like keep it fun. This is what's going to keep you boosted. I love it. Such great tips. What is one thing that we can do today for our wealth? So more abundance in all the areas of our life. So, you know, here's a funny story. I'll give you a quick, quick story of it. So once I was, I had, you know, was living in Rome and I moved to Sardinia and um, I was only going to go there for like a couple of weeks. And then my friend basically told me I had a place to stay and I didn't have a place to stay because the guy was there. I was like, oh, I thought you were going to bring a girl, not a guy. And so he's like, you can't stay here. So I had to put my bag in a bush, ended up going to a club, met this guy named Gigi and Francesco. They were trying to connect with this girl that I could see they were failing miserably. So I went up and started speaking Italian to the girl, to them, and like making it easier for them to speak to the girl. They were so impressed. They invited me to stay at their place. Long story short, next day, went to the beach, Chelvia. Sitting on the beach, they're like, look, we're not paying for anything. And everything in Sardinia, if you've ever been to Sardinia and Puerto Cervo, it's very expensive. And so I wrote down everything that I do in my life, from tying a shoestring to babysitting to anything you could imagine. And I wrote it down until I found the thing to, that was made me happy where I can make money. And so the thing is, is like really looking at your resources of who you are as a person and what you can do. You know, there's all types of things. You, right now you have to off, you know, operate from a digital era. How can you start supporting bringing that in from a digital area? Another thing that's really good too is to like right now, like close your eyes. Go ahead. Say spirits of the light. Spirits of the light. Show me what color brings money and opportunity to me. Show me what color brings money and opportunity to me. Purple. Good. So, so now you got that. And that's what I want everyone to do. And you're going to take a purple candle and you're going to put money under it and you're going to burn it because now you know what color it needs to burn around you, what color needs to be around you to open that doorway. In shamanism, in the spiritual world, there are keys and formulas. And keys and formulas, like I'll give you an example of a key. Like let's say, for instance, you were a kid and you played the piano, but people made fun of you and you stopped. Well, you stopped that piano, but that piano could have been a key that opens up a door in the future for you. So what I do is I tell people, go back and revisit the things that you, that you let go of. So that's a key. Now, the formula is what you just did. I can't, uh, so let's say, for instance, a woman came to me once and she said, you know, I have a hard time connecting with people. So I asked her to find the color that makes her connect. I told her to start wearing that in her clothes, burn that candle in her house. All of a sudden, people start, she started making a whole group of friends. So there's formulas in shamanism and there's keys. A key could be like, let's say, for instance, you get a message and spirit says, I need you to go for a walk. But then you're like, oh, I'm too busy. I have other things to do you're missing a key because if spirit sends you a message to go for a walk, there's a reason why it's telling you that. In that walk, you can get a bunch of downloads. Or a key could also be like you see numbers like 1111, 333, 444, 555. These are keys. Now you just need to unlock them. So 
use those because they're really powerful and they really open up doors to success. They open, I mean, I can't tell you how many people who see me that I've taught them about keys and, and taught them about how to, to understand these things that, they, that are going on in their environment. And when they saw the keys and formulas and I trained them on it, they're like, oh my God, Dirk, whenever I need to bring money, I do this and this and this and money comes. I'm like, exactly. It's not a difficult thing. It's just that you don't understand how the spirit world connects with the physical world. And that's where shamans come in who are willing to share that, of course, because not all shamans are sharing that. Bless their dear hearts. But the point I'm making is I like to give you everything. So keys and formulas. So now you have the formula, right? And so ask spirit, what's one of the keys that I've left behind that I should revisit? Spirits of the light. What are one of the keys that I've left behind that I should revisit? Dance and music. Yeah, that's exactly what they said to me too. Yeah, yeah. I was a professional dancer and I really shut that off for quite a few years. And now I'm starting to bring it back and play more and dance and sing and music. And I'm feeling called to go back to the piano as well. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that. I love these keys. Go back to what you did as a child or that brought you joy as a child. It's, it is a key. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. I had a woman who was trying to become an anthropologist and she put a resume after resume and couldn't get a job. And she came to me and she's, I said, because you, you left a key behind. She goes, what key? They said, you singing key. She goes, no, no, no. I sound like a frog. My parents told me my singing voice is horrible. I said, don't listen to your parents. They're not here to, 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 to tell you what your life can become. I said, I need you to go take a find a singing teacher, take some singing lessons and watch what happens. And she did. She called me up crying. She goes, I hit a note today. I started crying. I couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden she started getting, she went, her friend said, can you help me with an art gallery thing I'm doing? She said, yes. She ended up helping. And then she met this guy there who's an anthropologist who offered her a job. It's like, like that. Because she, she took the key back. She took the key back and it opened up the door of her future. Exactly. Exactly. Often I find as well with writing books and things like that, I get that call to go for a walk and I go for the walk and the whole download of the chapter, of the blog post, of the talk that I'm giving, it all just downloads when I'm on these walks. It's so beautiful. Precisely. That's a key. Yeah. I That's love a key. it. That means you listen to the spirits and you found the key on that walk. I love it. I love it. Okay, so last one. What is the most important thing that we can do today for more love in the world and in our life? So I would say the most important thing that you can do for love right now is to be the embodiment of love, right? And so what does that mean? That means that look at the places that you can't love and send love to it. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, because the moment... Look, it's easy to get angry. It's easy to tell someone off. It's easy to say horrible things about someone. It's easy to flip someone off, call them names, you name it. It's more challenging to give them love. And that's what we want. We want to lean into our aversions. We want to lean into the things that make us uncomfortable because that's actually what makes us stronger. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. Totally agree. It's very easy to do those things, but to lean in with the love is, is that's where the growth happens. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to ask you about? I think what I want to share is this. No one can define you. No one can proclaim who you are but you. So any words that anyone says to you that's not coming from a place of love and kindness and generosity, 
you don't need to claim it as truth because you're the only one who knows your truth. I feel that we are in a time in our world where the, the conversation needs to be more focused on bringing the light out of people and not continuing to focus on that where they have maybe fallen short or made mistakes or just wasn't in their best character. We can't hold people to who they were because every day we're growing. And in through that growth, we're always growing. We're never the same people who we were. And so if we hold on to ideas and say things like, oh, well, that's just who they are, you're limiting evolution. And we shouldn't limit evolution ever because our species needs to thrive and the planet and the animals and everyone needs to thrive with us. And the only way that's going to happen is when we make space for it. Make space for the people in your life to grow. Make space for their wisdom. Make space for the love. Make space for their joy. Make space for your own. And you will see a world transformed very quickly. Mm, Beautiful. I love that so much. I'm a huge believer in service. We spoke about it before. And I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we give back to you? To give back to me is to let people know that I'm here to love them. But most important, the greatest way you could ever give back to me, I would say this would be the biggest one, is just be more kind and loving to each other and know how powerful you are. Because then I sleep better at night knowing there's more shamans being born on the planet, waking up. Remember, you're not chosen to be a shaman because you were born in a tribe. You're chosen to be a shaman by the spirits. They see something in you. They know that you're willing to deliver a message without fear. And I know each and every one of you has wisdom and power inside of you. And the greatest way you can give back to me is by being in your leadership, being your own autonomy, step back into your, your, your queendom, your kingdom, get on your throne and stop asking other people permission to be powerful. Just go stand in your, go be on your throne. No more excuses. And that's it. And that's the greatest way you could ever give back to me. I love it. Can anyone be a shaman? They can, if they choose to apply themselves to understanding the principles of shamanism and being able to understand that shamanism isn't this like, I'm a shaman, I'm so cool on Instagram, or I'm a shaman I'm, because everyone's a shaman, so now it's the cool thing. But shaman isn't, isn't, isn't all like you know roses and peaches. It's literally, you really have to step into a role where you're facing with darkness, you're facing with the things that humans don't want to look at, You know, you're dealing with spirits coming at you at nighttime, testing you to see if you can be broken and that you will turn away from, you know, entering and, you know, interfering. As I call myself, I'm a loving interruption, you know, and spirits in the darkness, some of them don't like that. So they'll come in your room and like test you and see how powerful you are. And it's not the, the, the anyone could be a shaman, but I think the devotion to being a shaman is the thing that we should ask. Anyone can be a shaman, but are they devoted? To the, to the service of being a shaman. Shaman isn't just someone who passes out plant medicine. Shaman is one who holds space for others to see their power. This isn't a guru thing. If you read, if you read the Spirit Hacking book, I'm not your guru, right? And, and that's true shamanism. Shamanism is like, don't put it on me. Like when someone asks me, am I powerful? I ask the question, are, are, do you think you're powerful? Are you powerful? Why are you asking me? Stop asking me to define you. Define yourself. Put something on the shelf so no one can mess around with you. Mm, I love it. Shaman Durek, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you for another 45 hours. I have loved connecting with you. Your energy is 
unbelievable. It's so much fun. You make me want to get up and sing The Little Mermaid. And I just am so grateful. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. Your podcast is amazing. We'll link to all of this in the show notes as well. Your book, Spirit Hacking, is so incredible. You are such a light. You are such a beautiful person, a beautiful being of light and spreading your love and light to the world. So I'm so grateful to have you here and to share you with my tribe. Thank you so much. I love you, sweetheart. Yay. (laughs) That was quite possibly one of the funnest interviews I have ever done. And I truly wish that I didn't stop recording when I actually did, because we went on to speak for like another half an hour. He did a healing session on me, and I wish I had been recording it all because it was so good. But I got so much out of today's episode. I feel so empowered and so excited and inspired. And I hope you do too. And if you do, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and empower and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you guys get from each episode. I read them all. I screenshot them. I love reading them. So please come and share them with me. And for everything that Shaman Durek and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 295. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you, for a little bit of inspiration. I'm sending you guys so much love. Stay well, stay inside. And if you know someone that would love to listen to this episode and they would really benefit from it, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media. You can email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.